0: Tonight, is that your declaration? I'm going all the way. No matter what we face, no matter what we endure, we're going all the way because He's paid the ultimate sacrifice. Let's just go to Him in prayer before we turn to the Lord this evening, Father. Well, that's the anthem of our heart tonight as we're going all the way. And we know, Father, there may be times the enemy tries to block the blessing from us and keep us from being what you've called us to be. But Lord, that song just resonates in our soul tonight. We're going all the way, Lord. Father, I remember a time where they drew a line in the sand at the Alamo. And God, it was a line of declaration. You cross that line if you're gonna stay in the fight with me. And Father, we've drawn that line in the sand tonight. We're crossing over, Lord, and we're making a declaration. Father, we're not backing up. God, we're not bending. We're not bowing. We're not breaking. But Father, we're just drawing the line and we're determined we're gonna go all the way, Father, We just ask that you'd come and speak to us this evening, Lord. You'll take the lips of clay, Father, and you'll speak through them. Lord, you'll take the ears of clay, Father, and you'll hear through them and receive. Lord, we just yield ourselves to you right now, in this very moment, Father. God, I just I surrender my gift to you, Lord, that you can use it for the blessing of your people. God, we just give it to you, this service, Father, communion service, a time of fellowship. God, we just ask that you just have complete control and preeminence now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look here in the book of Ruth. And I want to speak to you on a thought tonight on communion acquired through redemption. Communion acquired through through redemption. We look here in Ruth verse one, or chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll read down through verse 6. And I'm going to kind of... I've read this book of Ruth probably several times. Four to five times this week alone. And just going to be pulling a lot out of it today. With the help of the Lord. <clears throat> but we know that this is communion service. I don't want to hold you too long. as we have uh, another aspect of the service this evening. But it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled... But there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in a country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. and The name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons and they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left, or the woman was left, and her two sons and her husband. And then arose, then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people. And giving them bread. You can have your seats this evening. So, like I said, we want to speak to you this evening on communion acquired through redemption. This word communion, and we're just going to take it from a different angle, and not so much as we take our communion, the Lord's Supper tonight, but a different look at it. But the word communion here means the sharing or the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And the word intimate means private and personal. So I want you to think about communion as the sharing of private and personal thoughts and feelings. And the word acquired here means to get as one's own, to obtain, gain by the result of an effort or an experience. And Augustine would say that the word communion comes from two words, one being calm, which means... With and together and the other being unis, which is oneness in union. So we can see that communion can mean with oneness or a together union. Otherwise, it solidifies solidarity. It means that we become one. And by this relationship, we're sharing intimate thoughts and we're sharing intimate feelings. And the prophet of God would tell us that many will proclaim the book of Ruth to be just a love story. But he said, it's more than a love story. It's a prophet. Not only is it a prophet, but it's a history and it's a love story. And it's it's not only a love story or a history or a prophet, it's God himself. Because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He said now that he goes, that ought to settle it, brethren, God on print jehovah printed on a book he says now this book of ruth was one of the most outstanding books that they have accepted why it's because it's just he goes why if it's just a love story why would the writers of the ancient sages accept the book as inspired he says because there's a hidden revelation in it So in the book of Ruth, we want to understand that it's more than a love story, but there is a hidden revelation in it, and it's hidden. He says, it's a hidden revelation. He goes, you catch the real meaning and it'll bring you real close to God. So you catch the real meaning of the book of Ruth and we find the prophet of God will tell us, he says, now we find in the book of Ruth, we hear about the kinsman redeemer and we know that re- to redeem is to bring back anything that was lost. He says, but in the law of redemption in Israel, there had to be a kinsman to redeem a property of somebody that had been lost and there was a requirement for the kinsman redeemer. The requirements meant he had to be kin or he had to be close kin. He said he couldn't be a way off kinsman and he also had to be financially able and he must make a public testimony so we think about naomi and we think about her family and the name naomi means pleasant and elimelech his name means worship so we found when they were in bethlehem judah they had pleasant worship but we find there came a famine in the land and the prophet of god would tell us the first mistake a jew ever makes is when he leaves the land see God gave them that land when Abraham was given the land God told him not to leave the land and he made a mistake when he went down to Gurir he got into trouble he says a Jew is never to leave Palestine he says that's his lotted place and it it was a mistake that Elimelech made when his family left the land of Bethlehem to go down and search for bread and we find as they left the promised land their days got darker and darker and darker until he died and not only him but his sons died and now there's three graves in the land of Moab three graves because they were in search for something that was not there they left where it was at and we find that Naomi who means pleasant no longer was she considered pleasant now her laughter and her hope had left and now she becomes sad but this eff- this effect or this incident with the losing of her husband and the losing of her children what this does it began to put a drive in her life to get back to the land where she was born to get back to the land where she had her early childhood to get back to the place where she was early married where they where she drank of the well of Bethlehem and where life was a blessing and it didn't have all the hardships. It didn't have all the difficulties. It didn't have all the loneliness. And Brother Brandon would tell us in wine had to be shepherds. He said, Bethlehem means the house of God's bread. So we find here her husband leaves the house of God's bread in search for bread, but only to find disaster and destruction. And Brother random would tell us, or the Bible would tell us in John six thirty five, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. So when we think of bread, we immediately think of life. We think of the substance to sustain life. And when you find, if you've done any reading or any kind of historical search of what happened to the Jews during, in, the, in the 1940s, underneath the persecution of the, the Germans there, they longed for bread. They longed just a little morsel of bread helped sustain them. And it was black bread, hard bread but I say that to say that bread was the essence of life and today bread is our essence of life but we're not longing for what we had back there uh, just about an hour ago but we're longing for the spiritual bread and Jesus would come and tell him, he goes I am that bread that comes down out of God from out of heaven that if you hunger and you partake of this bread you'll never hunger and thirst again he goes I am the bread of life your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness but they are dead In verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. So as we partake of the communion tonight, we're partaking in symbolic his life. Him giving us life, transferring our dead sins and allowing us to come into life now he said bethlehem was the place of the bread of the nation it was the bread of all the house of israel that come from there he was the bread of life that come down from heaven the spiritual man has to come from bethlehem the bread line the place where bread laid see but they left the promised land and no matter how bad it was to sojourn over in another land brought trouble now young people, the prophet of God will tell you if any Christian ever gets off on those grounds, well, I'll just, I'll go down tonight with the boys to the pool hall and it'll do no harm. I'll just take a little drink. You take that little drink and doesn't think it's gonna cause you any harm, but you're out of the promised land. You're off the grounds that God entitled you to be on. And you may think you can stay there. Elimelech only intended to stay until the famine was over, but his family was there for 10 years. 10 long, trying, grueling years. She was left there without a husband. She was left there without children because of a mistake that her husband made. Because he didn't think that it was going to hurt. But we found, what did it do? It caused death. It caused destruction. He says, you're only setting a course for trouble. Oh, the little rest of the girls smoke. I'll just try one. He goes, you're off your grounds. Don't do that. Stay in the homeland. Oh, well, everybody over here, they'll call me old fogy. They'll call me old fashioned. He says, stay there anyhow. That's your place. Stay in Christ. So let me encourage you, young people, as we heard last night, pretending to give all. We heard a marvelous message last night. No longer should we pretend to give all. Stay where God has ordained you to blossom. Stay where he's ordained you to be blessed. Stay where he's ordained you to grow and that you could be a blessing in the promised land. You don't have to go out into the world. We got everything that we have need of right here under this roof, under this ministry, under this message. We don't need to go searching for happiness. Happiness is right here we don't need to go searching for joy we have joy unspeakable and full of glory we don't need to go to the doctor and i'm all about going to the doctor but we got healing right here everything we have need of is right here in the homeland of the word where there's life We find in Ruth 1 and verse 6, she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. She began to hear rumors of what was taking place down in that church. She began to hear rumors what was going on. There was life in that church. There was life back in the homeland. There's life again. She begins to hear this. And notice, and when she heard that there was life down there, something began to pull upon her heart. No, the desire to stay in Moab, it waned, it left pretty quick because now she realized it's not been easy in Moab and your life won't be easy outside the promised land of this word. Oh, you may have good days, but you'll have a lot more bad days than good days. There begin to be a pull, there to be a drive to bring her back to the homeland. And it's something when... It's something to me how when your life is in a struggle, but yet God places a desire. He places something so deep inside of you, and it's a desire to live. It's a desire to seek out life. It will drive some people to endure extremely difficult situations, the desire to live. The desire, and why are you here tonight? Because there is a desire in your heart to live. There's a desire in your heart tonight to to move forward. And and we find here Moab. Notice she was in Moab. And the prophet of God will tell us Moab represented the Nicolaitans. It was carnal Christianity. Many of them fine speakers, doctors of philosophy and great men. We heard about it this morning. Men that use psychology. He says you can't deny that. But they have a form of godliness. But they deny the power. They deny the life that's in Bethlehem. They think they can do it with all their psychology, all their intellectual understanding. You know, when Brother Tim made that statement this morning about these great men and their great intellectual understanding, I began to look at my life and began, thank God you're not intelligent. That's one time that you just can't thank God for because you're not, you're not using or you're not, you're not depending on your own human ability when you step behind this desk because you have no enticing words. You have no intellectual things to give to people, but what you're depending on is the anointing. You're depending on the life that was in Bethlehem because I've partaken of that bread and now that bread comes inside of us as a believer and what does it do? It begins to produce life. That's why you're here. You're in search for life tonight. And God has brought you here because God has having a desire within his own heart to have communion and fellowship with his creation. We find people today, they hear that there's bread in Bethlehem. Oh, there's bread at this church. There's bread at that church. There's life. They're willing to leave the dead, lifeless lands that they've been dwelling in because there's a desire to live. When they hear that there's freedom of worship, freedom to praise the living God, that there's life not only for the older generation, but also for the young generation. I was speaking to a Baptist minister, or not a minister, but a Baptist gentleman the other day, last week sometime, and I did a job for him. And we were, he was just telling me he goes to the First Baptist Church there in Sibley. He said, it used to be 150 people in that church. I said, well, we got about 60 young people from the age of 13 and up. And he says, oh, my!" He goes, w- we used to have that but it dried up. The land's dried up. Oh, church, how blessed are we? The land's aren't drying up. No, there's reports of different ones wanting to move here. But why? Because they hear that there's life being given at Evening like Tabernacle. Now, we don't owe it to ourselves as men. No, but God is pouring out his life. God is the one that visits our services. That's why we can have convention-style meetings on a Wednesday night or venture on a Saturday night in a youth service. When the altar call is given, every seat become empty and every young person was at the altar. Why? Because God is once again visiting his people by giving them bread by giving them life. Oh, but he's not only giving life for this life, but he's giving you for the life thereafter. He's giving you eternal life. They're willing to leave the land of Moab and relocate to where life is being served. Why are you here? Some of you, Why are you here? You heard. Now you've come and you tasted. You tasted. You've experienced service after service. The giver of life comes by and he's handing out exactly what you have need of. Sister Atlanta, he handed you life. Sister Mariah, he handed you life. Drew, he handed you life over and over and over and over and over. He's been handing servant up bread, life, substance for your existence. Now we find here people are willing to move to where the Lord has once again visited his people by giving them spiritual food in due season. We're not depending, Brother Tim, on Dr. Dobson. Or any of these other great, if you want to call it that, great denominational preachers who use psychology and intellectual understanding. But no, God has once again visited his ministry. God has once again visited those who seek Him daily, who are behind the closed doors, behind the veil, and they get into a relationship and they have communion with God. And that word communion there means to be able to speak back and forth with. And that's what He desires tonight. More than you just coming up and partaking of the bread and of the wine, He wants to have that back and forth relationship where He can bring you into a state of communion. Maybe tonight you're far off, but you don't have to remain there. You don't have to pretend anymore, as we heard last night. No, you can go all the way tonight. You don't have to just stop and turn around and go back. No, you can keep going forward. And God's going to give you a land. God's going to bless you once you arrive in that homeland. You got a promise of the Holy Ghost. You got a promise of healing, deliverance, whatever it is. There it is. It's in the land. As we heard this morning, everything that we have need of in this journey is already in you, even the rapture. I tell you, we should be the most excited people, the most happy people. And they want you to shut up. They want you to not be emotional when they realize on the inside of me who I was in once in darkness, but now I've been made light. Why? Because I've entered into a land that's serving up bread, that's serving up life. I got a reason to shout. You got a reason to rejoice tonight because you're no longer in Moab church. You're on your way to Bethlehem. And there's life there. Brother Tim could easily, easily, Brother Timothy, Brother Aaron, myself, we could easily stop preaching that way we're preaching if we're only gonna be dictated at what men say about the ministry. Well, did you hear what they done down there in Bethlehem? How they acted? Man, I heard how one girl, she just ran around the church. If we're worried about what man thinks of us, sure, but I'm not in fellowship or communion with man, I'm in communion with him. And it's not my word that I want to bring to you. It's his word. And that's what the ministry is for, is to bring his word to the people. Notice in Ruth 1 and verse 8, and Naomi said unto her two daughters. Well, let's go down to verse 11, excuse me. Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should... Say, I have hope if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them for having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone against, or out against me. In verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Now, Brother Bannon would tell us in the message, Kinsman Redeemer, he said, Now, Oprah is a type of the lukewarm church that once started. A type of the church that won't go all the way. Otherwise, the pretender. Oh, they looked apart. You know, they they have their hair long, but they know maybe they trim the ends a little bit here and a little bit there. They don't do the makeup when they're at church, but they do it other places. You know, they look the part, but when it comes to really going all the way, when it comes to really surrendering all, when it really comes to serving God and getting where life is being served up, I, I, I just don't know it's a strange land I'm not sure what's down there you know all I can go by is hearsay and notice what the prophet of God would say he says, she kissed her mother-in-law and returned back again he says that's the type of a lukewarm believer who will believe Jesus to be Christ and then turn around and go back into the thing that they come out of and you wonder why so many have left the ranks of the message because they wasn't they wasn't a root. there was an orphan. they started out but when the rogue got tough, when they didn't know what was down that, was, that they were headed toward, you find they turned around and they gave up and they went right back to the thing they come out of. And the first thing that the ladies do is whack off their hair. Put on their makeup. Put on their pants. They, come, they go right back to the thing that they come out of. See, otherwise, Oprah was a type of the believer that pretends to give all only to return back. They want the title of being a Christian, but not go all the way to do what's necessary to be born again. She turned back to her gods. Many times we return back to the gods of our beginning. Maybe we got eyes of lust after the wrong thing, We'll turn back to lusting again. Maybe we've we got idols and drinking and idols of smoking and idols of lying, idols of stealing, all those kind of idols and then profess to be baptized and then turn again. What a sad thing. He says, you remember, it never spoke her name no more. She was excommunicated because of her decision. She turned her back to go back to the things that she come out of. But Ruth, oh, I pray there's a Ruth here tonight. But Ruth, the type of the believer now, when she comes out, the person of the world, he comes in amongst the Christian believers, women that used to smoke, drink, play cards at societies and so forth, all kinds of fancy stuff, like some kind of frizzled up bird. But now she changed. She made a decision to go with God. And the Brother Brown will say, when I accepted Christ, I was turned out by my own home. When I accepted Christ, my boyfriends and girlfriends, everybody threw me down. I went in with a bunch of old people that had the Holy Ghost and believed in God and serving him. The girls that was down there in church were different than the ones that I used to be going with. They looked different, they acted different, they were strange, and I was scared of them, but they were different people. He said, Ruth had to make her decision. And you gotta make your decision. You gotta make your decision tonight. You'll never walk out these doors this morning without some kind of decision. You'll not leave this room today either being a better man or woman or worse man or woman. To reject it, listen young person, especially you that's on the fence. To reject it, you'll be worse. He said it's harder the next time for you to get in or you'll go out better. He said it comes to a showdown in her life and it comes to a showdown in everybody's life. And when we think about communion, the act of communion that we're gonna partake of tonight Communion service is always a real strict one. He said, because it brings us to a showdown. So when you come to the table tonight to partake, it's a showdown. You're making your decision known. When you partake of the body, and you partake of the wine, and you partake of the bread, and you're, what you're saying is, I've, given, I've yielded my life. I've made my decision. I'm going all the way. I'm not living a halfway hypocritical pretending life but no, I've made my declaration. I've become a root. I'm gonna make my stand tonight and I'm partaking of that life because the Bible also says that if you eat it and drink it unworthily, then you eat it and drink damnation to your own self. Right. So we gotta examine our lives. But God brings us to the communion as a reminder of Redemption. It wasn't that they left the land of Egypt that he's saying, "Do this in remembrance to me." He's saying, "Do this in remembrance to me." My this bread represents my body. He broke it and he handed it out to his disciples, showing that he is the same today, breaking of himself and handing it to each and every one of you, and says, "Do this in remembrance of me." Partake of it in remembrance of me. This is my cup. My cup, my blood. I've yielded. I poured it out. I emptied my life out so that you can be a partaker. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of what? In remembrance that I played the part of the kinsman redeemer. And I did it to bring you into communion. I did it to bring you into fellowship. I did it to more than just have a conversation with you. But that we can share intimate thoughts. Intimate feelings. Now notice Ruth in verse 16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave or to return from, from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God will be my God. Where thou diest, I will die where thou will be buried. If the Lord do so to me, and more, if aught but death, part thee and me. Notice the heart of a true believer. Where you go, I'm going. I'm going all the way. Where you lodge, I'm lodging. Your people, they may be strange, but they'll be my people. Your God, I don't know him right now, but he'll be my God. Where you die, I promise I'll die there with you. They'll bury me beside you. And this is a desire that we each have to have tonight because it can't be based on somebody else's religion. But that God that was hers had to become Ruth's God. She had to know God for herself. And you got to know God for yourself. And where she goes, you go. And where he is, you are. And if it's in the church, if it's out of the church, wherever you go, you don't take a vacation from God. Wherever God is, that's where we want to be. Wherever the Holy Spirit is being poured out, that's where we want to be. Where the life of the Word is being delivered, that's where we want to be we want to be. Your God will be my God. If it makes me run, that's okay. I'll run with you, God. If it makes me shout, I'll shout amen, Lord. Because what I want, I want to be found faithful to the house of God. Bruce said, I'll go where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you live, I'll live. Where you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. That's the real decision, Lord. I'll take you as my Savior. If the Bible says repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that I'll do. If the Bible says I must receive the Holy Ghost, that I'll do. If the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that I will believe. He goes, I'll take the Bible and God for what he's wrote. And what he is, no matter what anybody else says. See, she made her decision. She either had to go back or go forward. And you're coming tonight to the communion. You're either gonna go back or you're gonna go forward. And the only one that can make that decision is you. As much as I would, Brother Tim, Timothy, Brother Aaron, any of us ministers, mom and dad, as much as we would long, want to... Make the decision for our children. We can't. You have to make your own decision. And I will say tonight needs to be the time that you say, wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you do, I'll do. If it means leaving the world, I'm leaving the world. If it means being filled with the Holy Ghost, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If it means believing for the supernatural, I want to believe tonight if it means believing against all odds, against impossibilities, I want to believe that God still does impossible math. See, she made her decision. She was converted. And he said, you got to make your decision and you got to take your choice. You won't go back to the things of the world or you want to, he goes, or you want to go on with God. You got to make your decision back to the world or go on with God you want to act like the world the rest of them then kiss Christ goodbye and go back but if you want to take the way with the Lord's despised few hold on to God's unchanging hand regardless of what the rest of the world had to say hold right there notice she made a clean cut decision and that's what brother Aaron I believe he was trying to get to you young people last night you got to make a clean cut decision You got to quit playing, quit pretending, quit having one foot in and one foot out. Now make a clean cut decision. I remember the night that I made my clean cut decision and I've not been the same. I will tell you, God will not disappoint you, young person, if you make that clean cut decision. I'm going all the way. Where you go, I'll go. See, they came, notice, they, they began to come back. Naomi and Ruth came just at the barley season. Barley season was the bread season, the season where fresh bread was being served up and the church in the last days had been through 2,000 years of pagan teaching and things and has come in the barley season, notice, the harvest time. That's where we are, church. We've done been through six church ages, now we're at the end of the seventh church age. We're at the time of the harvest. We're not in the planting stage we're at the harvest stage. You don't have many more days left. We don't have many more days left. But what we do find was there being fresh bread is being served up in Bethlehem. And that's what's happening in the evening light tabernacle. Fresh bread is being served up. And for some of you, it makes you shout. Some of you, it makes you dance in the spirit. You get a bite of that bread with a little bit of honey and butter on it. Oh my, you don't know how you'll like. act. I like some tomato gravy and biscuits. I'm wondering maybe maybe they got some of that down there in that land, but it's fresh bread. No matter what kind of bread you make out of it it's fresh bread because you may not like wheat bread you may not like biscuit but it doesn't matter it's fresh bread and he makes it to your liking all you got to do is go down there and say Lord I want a bite I want a service of some fresh manna tonight Lord I need something from you tonight and it may make you run it may make you shout it may make you speak in tongues it may make you prophesy but it doesn't matter what it makes you it's being poured out at evening like God has visited his people one more time he's come on the at the harvest season, to tell your young person, and to tell your mama, dad, I'm here. I'm still God, and I got it in control tonight, and I'm pouring out fresh manna. All you gotta do is get into the land and partake of it. Fresh bread is being served up. Mm. And you think you hear about mistake? Ruth 2 and verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she went and she came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hap, or she happened to light on the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. Who was the kindred of Elimelech? And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem And he said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? I want you to see the parallel, church. It's got to be more than a story. There's a hidden revelation that's tied into this book of Ruth. And the servant was set over the reapers, and he answered, and he said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and after And gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now. And she tarried little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. But abide here fast by my maidens. Notice Boaz first spoke to Ruth. She didn't approach him. But he approached her. She would not dare approach him. Here she was, an alien from a strange land, and him being the lord of the harvest. But yet, he takes a break from speaking to his servants, to the reapers, and he addresses her. See, he interrupts his conversation with the foreman to speak to a poor stranger gleaning in his field. And notice, he invites her to glean in his field the entire harvest. Brother Ram says, now Boaz found her out in the field. And he said, who are you? And she said, my name is Ruth. Oh, the Moabite that came to sojourn with us. Yes. He goes, I've heard of you. You don't go into another field. I like that. Come on, church! You don't got to go church hopping and, and, and field hopping tonight. You don't have to do that tonight. No, you can rest in the field that you landed in. Let me just tell you, it wasn't by mistake that that Ruth landed in the field of Boaz. She was led by the Spirit of God. It was a predestinated moment, and God has predestinated you to be here. You're not just in any field, but you're in the field of the, the Lord of the Harvest. He brought you here. Why? Because He's got something special for you. He's got a greater desire. What does He want to do? He wants to bring you into a state of communion. He wants to bring you into a relationship with him. He goes, I heard of you. You don't go into another field. I like that. Don't start mission trotting. I do some of you some good, especially when you get hurt in church and you want to go jump to the next church. Thank God there ain't ain't another field close by. You laugh, you'd be there only to come back because you realize God led you to this field. God's got something for you in this field notice stay right here in my field stay with mine notice he said he loved her when his eyes saw the Moabite the Gentile the alien someone from another country notice Boaz was never married and he was an older gentleman but when his eyes saw that Moabite out there gleaning in his field something struck his heart oh let me tell you you know what it was it was love at first sight and when our heavenly father saw you down there gleaning in the field realized you were there and you were gleaning for life you you were hungry for life out of that denomination but God led you from that and he brought you to the field of the message for what to give you life you couldn't stay there brother L and what does he tell you don't go glean in another field you don't have to leave this word to go out there to the word of psychology or the word of badness or the word of denomination you can stay right here in the field he loved her Stay with me. Don't go running around from place to place. Stay here. Oh, I love that. He says, now, while she was gleaning in the field directed by the Holy Ghost, to go into the field to glean, then up come Boaz. Boaz was a representative of Christ, for he was the Lord of the harvest. He was over all the harvest. And notice, as soon as he looked out in the field and saw that Gentile girl, he fell in love with her. Come on, young boys. You know what it is when your eyes fall upon the beauty of that girl and your heart starts to beat out of your chest. You know, hey, don't play dumb. Brother L, you better say yeah. Felicia will get you. But you know what it's like, man, his heart started racing. Oh, my. Something, he looked at it. None of the other girls struck him the way she struck him. Down through the ages, this one struck them at harvest season. This is the one. Notice, Brother Bram says, when a man loves a woman and he marries her because she's just pretty, he goes, there'll be an end to that. And don't you, brother, say amen. That is not the appropriate time. (laughs) No, sir, not unless you want to have a bad communion. He says, but when a man finds a woman that he loves. Now, here you go, Brother Hale, This is for you. (laughs) That he loves. He don't know why, but he loves her. All right, I got an amen in the back. Can I get another He says, that's an eternal mate in glory. See, death nor nothing else can ever separate them because why? They are from eternity. They stepped into space of time and will return back into eternity. Eternity has dropped down into the body called time. Then it goes right back into eternity again. It cannot perish. He said, a woman that's beautiful, that beauty will fade just as sure. But did you know that that well-formed little figure that God had given that girl may be rotten by this time next Sunday? That tall, dark, handsome man may be nothing but just a pile of rubbish by next Sunday. That all perishes. But that on the inside, God, love, lives for eternity. And notice, he didn't know why he loved her. But when he saw her out there gleaning in the field, he loved her. Oh, I hope you can see That God doesn't know. Maybe he didn't know why he fell in love with you, but he did. And maybe you question, Lord, are you sure? I'm just a Gentile. I'm just a a Moabite. I'm just this. I'm just that. I measure up. I got faults. I got wings. But he loves you. He loves you. And the Lord of the harvest fell in love with her, her being an alien. He says, oh, what a picture. He says, don't leave this field. He fell in love with her. You say, Brother why do you keep saying that? Because I'm trying to get to somebody. He fell in love with you. And if he ever fell in love with you, he never falls out of love with you. If he ever falls in love with you, he never falls out of love with you. He said, Don't leave the field. Stay put. Don't be tossed about on every wind of doctrine. Stay in the word. He fell in love with her and he commanded her not to leave the field, but stay right there and glean fastly. See, Ruth, a beautiful woman, went out into the field of Boaz to glean with all the other peasants. She'd been a type of the Gentile bride. He says, she went out behind the harvesters to pick up a few straws. But when his eyes cast upon her, he fell in love with her, Christ with his church. And he says, whose damsel is this? Notice, she found grace in his sight. And you tonight with all your, all of that, because we all have it. He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. All your indifference, all your quirks, all your little, yeah, we all have it, but he loves you anyway. And the Brother Ram says, now, that's what the church does today. While the Lord of the harvest is going by, he ain't looking for big big buildings, big steeples, well-trained choirs. He's looking for an individual, men and women who are dedicated and made a clear-cut decision for Christ, consecrated themselves to his service. God, I believe it, every word. When your word says anything, i say right there, that's your word, I believe it, every word. That's what he's looking for. The Lord of the harvest, that's what he wants to do is give the Holy Spirit to those who are hungering and thirsting for life. See, God led you to this church. God led you to the message of the hour. Because the Bible says sons of God are led by the Spirit and God's sovereign plan is working to your good. And you may be an alien, you may be in a strange land but you're, and you may be gleaning in a stranger's field but God has bigger plans for you. You're not gonna always be a beggar. You're not gonna always be a gleaner. In a few short sunsets, you're gonna be the one who owns the field. He led you here, he led you here for the purpose of communion. Because he wants to express his great desire for you. He wants to express deeper feelings than just a conversation in the field. God has a purpose. But that purpose can only be fulfilled through the act of redemption. Redemption. And we'll get into that as we go just a few more minutes. I know we we have communion here, but I want to just try to get to this point. So he led you here for a purpose. And we are here today believing the message, gleaning in the Lord's field because we have been predestinated. God doesn't make mistakes. You're not here by mistake. You think you just happen to be at Evening Light Tabernacle on a Sunday? No, God led you here. Because God's got something in the field for you. He's got greater plans. No matter what you face, no matter how difficult life becomes, there's something inside of you driving you to stay in the field. Stay in the field. Stay in the field. In the field. Otherwise, some of you had already left. Stay in the field. No matter what I go through, stay in the field. No matter what I've done, God, what did he do? He deposited a seed on the inside, that seed gene of life, and that, that seed is hungering for life. And it's got to get where life is being poured out. That's why you couldn't stay in your denominational system, Brother Hale. That's why the enticements of the world couldn't hold some of you young boys, some of you grown ups tonight, because there was something that you didn't know was there, but God placed it there before the foundation of the world. And when when you begin to hear about, man, there's something happening. There's something God, there's, there's, there's a better life than the life that I'm living. There's, a, there's really a life down there and you begin to hunger after it. See, the seed of God begins to long for communion with its maker and it drives you and it guides you into the field of Boaz because God has got something greater for you. We know that the Bible tells us that all things work together. Brother Andy, all the hardships, they're working together. All the bruises and bumps along Life's Highway, they're working together to get you to the right field because there's something happening in that field. Notice, she found grace in his sight. The Lord of the harvest, the man who owned the field, took notice of her. All these other damsels out there gleaning, but he only took notice of one. He's seen your labors. He's watched you glean. And he asks you, don't go into another harvest or another field. Stay right here. Stay in my field. Notice what he does when you you get in his field. Ruth 2 and verse 15. And when he was risen up to, or when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. To glean among the sheaves, this was a privilege because no person should glean till the sheaves were all bound and the shock were all set up. Otherwise, he was telling his disciples or his ministers, let her glean where there's best ears of corn. Let her glean where it's heaped up because the word sheaf means heaped up. Let her glean where the best corn is. Let her, let her glean where there's been a reaction And there's something falling and it's falling in a multitude so she doesn't have to work so hard to get it. Notice what he says now. He says, And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And I love what, the, what Brother Branham says now. He says, now, here she is gleaning for life. And he goes, I want you reapers, you angels. In other words, that's what, that's what they are. I want you angels, you reapers. Every once in a while, drop a handful on purpose. Don't let it be so tiresome for her. You know, church shouldn't be so tiresome for you, church. Because what is he doing? He's coming by dropping handfuls on purpose. He says every once in a while, drop a handful on purpose. He goes, let her hear a good message, let, her, let a good power of the Holy Spirit cover over every once in a while, and let her know that I'm still here. Do some kind of healing amongst her, some kind of sign or wonder that she'll know that I'm still in her midst. Oh, that's what he's done at even Life Tabernacle. He's come by and he's dropped handfuls on purpose. Here he comes and he, he dropped you a handful, saying, "I'm El Shaddai, the seed of the promise is mocked." I'm El feeling every fiber. I'm El Shaddai. And we find here he's he's circumcised without hands. He's dropping handfuls and handfuls on purpose. And we hear messages like the light, who can contend being led to victory. The light, the promise keeper, he never left me pretending to give all. God does impossible. Last. What is he doing? He comes service after service and he drops you a handful 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 because he, he, he don't want it to be so tired. he want you to enjoy coming to the field you enjoy reaping and cleaning because why? Wow, he's got something for you he's got an attraction to your church he's dropping hands. why is other people coming because they heard about the handfuls they heard about the handfuls there's healing there's deliverance there's Holy Ghost, there's prayer lines, there's altar calls, there's a movement of the spirit, there's tongues, there's interpretation. Why What is it? Handful after handful after handful. He's dropping it. This was more than just sympathy for the poor. No, he had took notice. He was doing something special, something out of character but it was in character for him because now he's in love. Oh, my, 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 my. If you can see this revelation, why does he come service after service? Because he's in love. He's in love. You know what? We can fall out of love, but he doesn't. He's in love. And the Bible says when you're not faithful, he remains faithful. He's faithful because he loves you. He's going to show up every service and he's going to drop you a handful on purpose. Now you, Ruth, you got to glean. You, Ruth, you got to go pick it up. you got to beat the shaft out of it. you got to do your part. And what? notice what she did when she took and she gleaned. She took it back to her mother-in-law. And when her mother-in-law saw where she'd been or saw all this because she should have never gleaned that much. She said, my daughter, where whose field did you glean in? And she said, the man that I gleaned today, his name is Boaz. That changed the entire picture for Naomi because Naomi knew that was a near kinsman. I'm telling you, church, you didn't just happen to in this field. God led you to this field because this is the field that is owned by our kinsman redeemer. Jesus Christ became sin. Oh, he was no sin, but he became sin so that he could play the part of the kinsman redeemer to bring, oh, hallelujah. I'm sorry, church, but I'm excited to bring you into a place of communion where God can pour out his heart God can pour out his life God can pour out his healing God can pour out his love that's why he brought you here he brought you to this field for a purpose where have you gleaned the field of Boaz notice what the mother-in-law says now daughter the harvest is over and Boaz is going to be down at the threshing floor and when you get down there, I want you to go down there. I want you first, I want you to, I want you to make yourself ready. Wash thyself. How do you do it? By the washing of the water of the word. Wash yourself. Allow yourself to be cleansed. Allow yourself for all those indifferences. Just wash yourself for all the complexes. Wash yourself for all the grudges. All those little things right there that are trying to drive malice and strife and divide homes and divide this church. Wash yourself of that. Notice, and anoint thee. Oh yeah, let the Holy Ghost come on and anoint you. Anoint thee, and she says, and put on the raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And notice, and she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother in law bathed. And when Boaz was, had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came past midnight, and the man was afraid. That word means startled. And he turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art our near kinsman. See, she laid at Boaz's feet, not his head. She was not to lord over Boaz, but she was humbling herself to his feet. And Brother Bram would say like this, he says, she laid at the feet of Boaz, and when he woke up, he seen the confidence. Oh, he goes, my, one of these days he will see the confidence that his church has got in him. That's why we're here because we have confidence in him. We have confidence in this ministry. We have confidence in this message. That's why you're here. Because now we're no longer at the field. Now we're at his feet. He had taken his own robe, the Holy Spirit, and he spread it over her. And, And we find here now, Brother Bram tells us, she said, mark the place where he lieth, And when he lied down to sleep, rest. He goes, you go lie down at his feet, not his head, for he is worthy and you're unworthy. But take the blanket that he has covered and pull it over you. You see, oh my, he goes, I know that may think I'm a fanatic, but see, it just suits me that way. Mark where he lay at Calvary, where he lay down in the tomb of Gethsemane. Mark and crawl up to his feet and lie down there and die yourself. There you are. Cover yourself over with his skirt. And we find that this word or this phrase, spread thy skirt over me, is a symbolical action denoting protection. Otherwise, she was coming before Boaz and saying, I want to become under your protection you're our near kinsman. You're the only one that has a responsibility and the obligation of bringing us under your protection. Otherwise, she was saying to spread over her the token of, or or to spread over her, his skirt was to say, I want you to take me in marriage. Now, some of you young boys, you'd probably like that girl coming up to you right now and say, I want you to marry me. you'd be like, Whoo, praise the Lord, that's easy. But see, in that time, what she was doing, she was forcing his hand to play the role of kinsman redeemer. Now, he knew that she, was, that she and Naomi were near kinsmen, but he also knew that there was a nearer kin and he couldn't go through the activity of doing that unless the nearer, the nearer kinsman proceeded first. But now when Naomi approached him or Ruth approached him and she said, spread thy skirt over me, otherwise take me unto thy marriage. What well, she is asking of him is, I want you to play the part of the kinsman redeemer because you're the near kinsman. And the Bible would tell us, or the brother man would tell us, she took the blanket of the Holy Spirit and when she died out to herself, she marked the place where he died and where he died, laid it down to rest and she laid down there and took the blanket that was over him and poured it over her and the man woke up and he says, who's there? He goes, I'm Ruth, the Moabite, the handmaid and he raised up and he goes, I perceive now that you're a virtuous woman. He took notice of her And she was making him aware of the relationship that he had with Naomi, her mother-in-law, that he was near kin, and he had the responsibility. And she told him, by redeeming Naomi, you get me. By redeeming Naomi, you get my love. You get my devotion. You get my affection. You get my time. You get my praise. You get my worship. And so we find Boaz, and we look here in Ruth 3 and verse 11. He says, now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. Verse 12, And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a nearer kin, or a kinsman nearer than I, tarry this night and it shall be in the morning that he will perform thee, if he will perform thee the part of the kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part, but if he will not do the part of the kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of the kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. Notice the bid that she made was only between him and her. She didn't make it a public spectacle. She didn't make it a public show. And she left before the morning before anybody knew of the request that was made. And we find here the Hebrew word for widow signifies one that is dumb. And Boaz, he didn't bid her to go and talk to the kinsman, the nearer kinsman for herself. He says, I'll go for you. So the Hebrew word here for widow means dumb. Boaz, therefore, would open up his mouth for the dumb. He would speak on her behalf. And I'm so glad, so glad that he speaks on our behalf. Amen. See, instead of touching her, he blessed her as a father. He encouraged her as a friend. He promised her as a kinsman. He rewarded her as a patron, and he sends her away laden with hopes and gifts and no less chaste, more happy than she came. God doesn't leave you the same. He makes it much better for his church. So he goes, and we look here in, in Ruth 4, as we bring this down to a close. And Boaz went to the gate, and he sat down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came unto him, who he said, and he said, such a one, turn aside and sit down, and he turned aside, and he sat down, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city, and he said, sit down here, and they sat down, and he said unto the kinsman, Naomi that has come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou will redeem it, redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me, and I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I, and after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou bu- must also buy Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Now, Brother Bram tells us in the message to the kinsman redeemer, he said, now there was a nearer kinsman to you, and that's the devil. But he said now, the first, you belong to him because why? You're his property. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world, speaking lies. But he could not redeem it. He could not. So Christ come, was made man to take away sins, to redeem us. Do you see it? And the other man couldn't do it. The devil couldn't die for sins because he was a very perverter that made sin. So he could not. He'd marred his own inheritance, the other fellow. And Satan would mar his because he is a devil. He cannot become another devil to take away the devil, the first devil he could not become sin because he was already sinned but Christ being sinless became a sinner he could redeem us hallelujah we are redeemed we are redeemed that means to be brought back and we are redeemed see Satan's whole plan from the beginning was to destroy God's creation and if he was going to rear up seed on behalf of, of Elimelech or behalf of Naomi and behalf of Malon then he would mar his own inheritance so he couldn't and so because he wouldn't then Boaz said I will do the part of the kinsman redeem and I want you to know that Satan decided he could not redeem you but there's one that stepped out of glory and he came down and he saw you and he says I will play the part of the kinsman redeemer this day and he plucked off his shoe and then he handed it to him he says now I will take ownership of all that belong to Naomi and by redeeming what belongs to Naomi I get Ruth the Moabite bride he gets Ruth and he becomes her husband. And the prophet of God will tell us, he said the reason Jesus came to the Jews alone, he had to redeem the Jew in order to get the Gentile bride. What did he redeem? He redeemed your soul from hell, he redeemed you He brought you back everything that Adam lost when he put your name. He put you in a pawn shop. Jesus Christ on Calvary, he was our kinsman redeemer, redeemed you of every curse of the devil. He redeems your soul, redeems your sick body, redeems your weary, dreary spirit. He brought you happiness. He brought you joy. He brought you. That's what the redemption brought you. Brought you peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, power. The Holy Ghost brought you divine healing. All these things, Jesus Christ brought to you because why? He is our kinsman, redeemer. And he did all this because he desired to have communion with you. He desired to have communion. And he can only redeem, he can can only become in the state of communion with Ruth by redeeming Naomi. Notice, Ruth 4 and verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife and he went unto her and the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. I want the musicians to make their way back. He said he took Ruth and he married her and she brought forth the son Obed and Obed was a father of Jesse and Jesse was a father of David who was a father of Christ, the father of the Lord Jesus. And through that righteousness, through that clear cut decision, he became our kinsman redeemer He became kinfolks to us to come down and be made like us. Human beings suffer hunger and thirst. And he did all this so that he could have communion with you tonight. That's what he longs for, church. As we partake of this bread and wine tonight, God has a greater desire of your life than you just stepping up here tonight and putting a piece of bread in your mouth And taking a sip of wine. God is looking for a daily communion with Him. He's done all the work, He's done all the effort, He paid the ultimate price. And what He's looking for tonight is communion the exchange of intimate feelings, the exchange of a love affair. A love affair that would bring forth a child by their union. And I believe that that's what he wants out of our life is that, that life to come forth out of our life because there's a love affair. Brother Graham said God poured himself into Christ. Correct, Christ poured himself into the church. At that day you know that I'm in the Father, you and me and I and you the whole thing is a plan of redemption coming down that God coming back to live in and dwell in and commune to his people as he did at the beginning he said see he gets in his church in speaking condition gets his church to a place that he can flow himself through in love and persuade and fellowship then they'll come in eden He'll take his church back to where, where he left it at the back in the Garden of Eden. So he comes. The Holy Spirit comes down in the miraculous power to transform your life, picks you up and brings you inside the veil to where you have fellowship with God and you commune with him as Adam did in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Just bow your heads just for a brief minute. I know I'm over time. We're coming to a close right now. As we partake of this communion service tonight as we hand it back over to Brother Tim the bread represents the body that he broke on our behalf the wine represents his blood the ultimate sacrifice that he made and he did it all to play the part of the kinsman redeemer so that he can bring us into a place of communion to life can come from each life that's here tonight I just want you to Take a few minutes before we turn the service over to Brother Tim and just evaluate your life. Because if you eat and drink of this wine and this bread unworthily, I'm afraid you're you're guilty of eating damnation to your own life, not discerning the Lord's body. But do it tonight in remembrance of the price that He paid. Not only the price that He paid, but the desire that He has to take you from the field. And make you a co-owner with him. God has a great desire for us church. And one day he's taking us out of this field of the world. And he's going to take us into another land. A land where there's no sickness, no sorrow. And it all because he wants to have communion. And that communion is acquired through redemption. Father we just turn this service over to you now Lord. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence Father. We we'll just pray you'll take this chopped up message Lord and may it just find a resting place in the heart of the believer Lord thank you Lord that you were willing to come down and, Lord forsake your own glory and come and take on a form of sin Lord to play the part of the kinsman redeemer Lord and I believe when you looked down from heaven and you saw your little bride Lord maybe a Gentile an offcast excommunicated but yet Lord your heart began to beat you began to have a love Lord and you commanded the ministry down through the ages, Lord, to drop handfuls on purpose and let her glean, but, glean where the best ears of corn are. God, I can say that we here at Even the Light Tabernacle are gleaning where the best ears are. And we thank you, Lord, that you're mindful to come by and you drop handfuls on purpose, Lord. May you continue, Father, to do that until our bodies are changed, until our lives are changed, Father. And we just commit this service to you now, Lord. May you bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen
1: i am redeemed
2: been bought with a price jesus has changed
1: my whole life if anybody asks me just who i am Tell them that I am redeemed. Just sing it again now. I am redeemed and bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. I Tell them that I am redeemed. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There I pray find. A healing stream flows from Calvary's mouth. It again now. He was wounded. He was wounded for our transgression.
2: come to the communion service tonight. Originally, communion was at the Passover. There was the lamb, the bitter herbs, the wine, and the unleavened bread. These would all make up the Passover supper. And when Jesus died and rose again and Ascended into glory The church would meet together on the first day of the week And originally they would Share a meal together Maybe much like we've done today in Similar ways They would share a meal together and it was a Different ones would bring their food and the rich would have their portion and the poor would have what meager parts they could bring. And, and Paul would examine this and prayed about it. And he said, you know, he said, you're shaming the poor by bringing your abundance. And some are even using this to excess. Why, well, there's actually some that got drunk at the Lord's table. And he he prayed about it and he said these words I received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat This is my body which is broken for you This do in remembrance of me And after the same manner also he took the cup When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord." But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many are asleep or dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home that you come not together under condemnation. So Paul would change this from a, a Passover meal that they would have and they would instead just share and break the bread and the and sharing the wine because these would represent the death of our Lord Jesus and they were coming together and remembering remembering that he had died in their place and that on the cross that he paid for their sins and so he he took the elements of it and he said we're just going to take the bread it's unleavened It was called in the original the bread of haste there was no time to mix leaven with it and let it rise they were leaving so it reminds us that our going away is very soon we look at the unleavened bread and we see that there's nothing mixed with it no leveling which means which could represent sin something there that would put it in it that would puff it up, make it rise. And leaven would become to known as, as sin. And a little bit of leaven would contaminate the whole loaf. So there's not to be any sin in Christ. And, and in the body of believers, which we are, we are to put sin from us. And then we take the wine, which represents the blood of the new covenant in that blood was where that the life of the fruit of the vine, which Christ was that grape, and he was squeezed out, his life squeezed out for us. That in the taking of his life into us, we take his Holy Spirit into us. This bread would represent the body of Christ in this This is broken bread. Well, his physical body was not broken. Not a bone was broken. But this represents something that came from one loaf. And his body today is not the physical body of Jesus Christ. It is the spiritual body of Jesus Christ, which is his church. Each one of you are part of that loaf. Each one of you make a part of that body. When you take your portion today, you're remembering I am a part of the body of Jesus Christ. His life dwells within me. I'm gonna drink deep of the spirit of God. I'm gonna take that into me. I'll, I'll feel it's burn in the life of that wine as it comes down. and into my body I'll feel it as it goes down because it's a life it's more than just a squeezing of the grape but there's life in it and that life is the Holy Ghost that came back on the day of Pentecost which was squeezed out of Christ for us so it's a time of remembering this is more than playing games and this is what Paul said. This is, this is serious business. We are typing out something. If we, if we break the type and we are living in sin and we're not representing Christ and we break the type, we're simply eating and drinking damnation to our body. Actually, he says, this is why many are sick. Some are sick and many asleep. They actually died because they didn't discern this is the Lord's body. That this is serious business. And that communion with Christ is more than just taking bread and taking of the cup. The communion represents a fellowship. A fellowship that came by redemption that Brother Joe preached about this evening a fellowship that we have entered into. And today, let us start a new communion with the Lord, a renewed fellowship, a new blessings from Almighty God. And that as you come and take the bread, you can re-consecrate your life, and rededicate yourself to them. Now, you're welcome to the communion table tonight. You don't have to be a member of this church to be, come to the communion table. You're welcome to come to the table of the Lord with us. The deacons will come to, to usher you row by row. And just as soon as you take the, the, the communion, you'll go right out these doors. And over here on the right, we have things set up, basins and towels and chairs and set up for the foot washing. Oh, that's for the men and on this side for the ladies. And if you're elderly or otherwise unable to get on your knees to wash feet, just simply return to your seat there and be in prayer until we return to conclude the service. Some of our young children are old enough to remain in the sanctuary while the parents go out to foot washing. It'll just help if you, if some of the, the older young children that are not taking care, communion and foot washing just to remain in the sanctuary if they can be reverent. And, but otherwise, um, if you got several little children there, maybe one of the fathers or the the father can take a youngster to make less for the mothers to deal with. Here's what's important. Make this reverent. Only praying, not talking to one another just talking only when absolutely necessary be reverent just like you were in the sanctuary this is a very very serious solemn time now we do foot washing because jesus at the passover he poured water into a basin took a towel and girded himself, and he washed the disciples feet and he showed that we are to be servants to one another that is important as believers that we wash the dirt off of one another so to speak that we refresh one another that we have a care about us to each other now peter would when he was told he said you know you know, he said, you'll never wash my feet. No, I, I'm not going to let you wash mine. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you're not a part with me. He said, well, then just wash my head and my hands and everything then, Lord. I, I want to be totally all the way. And he said, no, if you've been bathed. You see, in that day, they had bathhouses. They took their baths at a bathhouse. But walking back, to their homes to their places they had to walk through the trails you know animals was part of the transportation people rode on donkeys and horses and whatever and those sheep and goats and things that would made the droppings along there and their feet would pick up dust and jesus said no it's not necessary if you've been bathed is not necessary but for me just to wash your feet now let's bring the type down. if you've been bathed you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God you've been washed it's not necessary for you to go get rebaptized again and re-washed but here your feet where you walk through the world or maybe you stumbled along the way or you made a mistake or you know we all do minor things wrong but it's a moment of time of consecration just to wash your feet wash your feet it's good for us to wash one another's feet not just in the ceremonial part but when you see your brother do wrong say brother you shouldn't act that way you shouldn't do that way we're christians this is not the way we behave when you see another Gossip about another, just stop it and say, Listen, my ears weren't for what is not for trash, and your mouth is not to speak trash. We're the sons and daughters of the most high God. Let's have prayer for that person. You see, we wash the dirt off of one another, we help each other in our journey. You know, some things it's not easy. You know, you get a little something on your face, you're not even aware it's there, and somebody says, uh, you got chocolate on your face where you ate dessert today. Uh, you got something on your mouth there. Oh, thank you. What is it? Something you didn't notice, something that you didn't know, but it was making you unpresentable. This is the way we do one another. Foot washing is a ceremonial thing tonight, but is only representing and reminding us of our service to God and to each other. Be a servant. Be encouraging. Be in love. Be kind. Wash the dirt off. Father, I dedicate this bread and this wine to you today. I bless it in the name of Jesus Christ. As it is partaken of tonight, I pray, Lord, that Your blessings will rest upon it, Lord, as they take it. May they remember Calvary and what you mean to them. I ask your blessings upon us now as we partake of this sacrament, as we go to foot washing. Lord, as we are in this service, will you bless us and bless us in your presence in Jesus' name. Should have put on a little music there, Brother Tim.